You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. Oh, are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. Can I interest you in a cappuccino, a burger? Yes, I'd love that. I'd love that. Only okay, if it's made by humans. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it amazing where it's going? You know, I, re- I was on a ship. I was on one of these, uh, uh, on the maiden voyage of a ship about three years ago, and they had a, a robotic bartending machine. And everybody was completely, um, you know, amazed with this thing because they had like a, a little screen there, like an iPad, and then you'd order your co- cocktails, and this thing would just make your drink for you and deliver it in front of you. Oh, wow. There were no barmen at all. So it kind of leads nicely into no, it's perfect. A normal drink, you know, just a normal drink. It's just did you did you tip? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question, (laughs) but it's scary for barmen, hey? It's scary for barmen, and I think that for people who do cocktails in bars and have got more of the showmanship thing going, I think that's what's going to stand people apart in the future. But uh, you know, if you look at a if you look at a bar, okay, a bar's got you know certain. yeah, warmth about it, etc. But um, if you have a, just a regular thing, regular place that dispenses drinks, and you look at what you're paying in a year to employ people to do that, if you can get a machine to do it, would you do it? Is the question. It's going to, in the long term, save you a lot more money. I, there's a million and one thoughts about what the consequences of this will be. I mean, you want efficiency gains, you want to keep the cost down, and um, but what do patrons want? What's going to happen to lyricist? Isn't remember the, what's yeah. that song? I was working as a waitress See, at a cocktail, cocktail bar. bar. That much is true. <laughs> <laughs> so the creative industries. Oh my goodness! What next? World War Three. I, uh, I. But you know what? I thought about this topic actually. Funny enough. Yes. I was on Facebook, and you know when it gives you these interesting videos every now and then on your timeline. Yes. And there was one of people who was so skilled at their job, but I mean, it's really menial job, sort of. You know, being able to flip burgers uh, when you get I don't know tens of thousands of bits of tomato juice that needs to go into things. Yeah. And they were amazing. You can see they've done it for like 2,000 years in sweatshops or wherever they do these things. Yes. But I thought to myself, but not as good as the robots might be able to do it with even greater efficiency. Well, accuracy, there's no wastage. It's just efficient. Uh, we, we're talking about Flippy the robot in case you're wondering yeah. what we're talking about. This, this robot that basically is going to start making burgers, but it's flipping the patties at the moment. Uh, and I also saw over the weekend a, a, another robot that uh, is going to be making uh, um, coffee. And this is a company called Brigo. And really the coffee that I've read the reports on is it's quite extraordinary coffee that they make. They make really good coffee. But it, it's got the ability, now listen to this, this is a scary part, to push out 100 cups of, 100 cappuccinos in an hour. And that's the equal input of about four baristas who do normally making the coffee. So that's pretty fast. And you're not employing four baristas. And the coffee tastes really good. Hmm. Um, and it's just, it's the technology that's making it happen. And um, and this is the beauty about this. Um, if, it segues quite nicely into this uh, technology index that was released actually by Dell. And this Brigo coffee machine, and go and look at it online. It's B-R-I-G-G-O. It's just amazing. But Dell released this um, report very recently. Mm. Um, and they basically said that, you know, in the next three years, organizations who don't, do not kind of advance themselves technologically fast enough are going to be left behind. So they've got this Dell Technologies Digital Transformation Index, and they compare different countries around the world. And the interesting thing is that South Africa has come out in the top 10 globally as digital readiness. 
because we have the ability with these technologies that we don't have to lay down the hardware. Mm-hmm. We can just bypass the stuff and just and, – and, and so what it does is it makes us a lot more flexible. Mm-hmm. And uh, D- Doug Woolley, who's the GM of Dell EMC South Africa, sent me this voice note just explaining about this index and why it's important and what it actually means for us as a continent. Driver here is, is legacy. Um, you know, a lot of the developed uh, economies have got infrastructure uh, that they've invested in over a period of time where developing economies don't have that legacy, uh, you know, uh, noose around their necks, and that allows them to act faster. I think the second component is really just uh, developing economies seeing te- see technology as an enabler and a way to compete against developing economies. So, you know, there's a will in, in uh, investing in, in tech as a as a key enabler and competitive advantage. It's it's actually fascinating because it's now it's allowing entrepreneurs to come up with new ideas mm. and a fresh approach. Now, we were just talking mm. about the baristas that might be out of a job, but traditional coffee companies that make the coffee, uh, the likes of Starbucks and all those sort of things, those guys are a threat as well because now you have a new upstart. This company didn't exist five years ago. Look mm. at Uber, for example. Look at Airbnb. They've taken mm. revenue away from somebody else. And and Uber, the only reason why they could they could grow so fast and scale up so fast is because of cloud computing mm. and that they had access to the technology. They never had to invest huge amounts of money right. to build their existing technologies, which is why South Africa features so highly in that Dell Technology Index. Mm. What else have you got for us? Um, what else have I got for you? Uh, I find this fascinating. I saw, I saw this online on, I think it was Billboard magazine, that the Billboard magazine uh, have got this story where they've signed a, a, a contract, Warner Music, which is one of the big music companies in the world, have signed a contract with a company called Endel. All right. What this company does is they, um, they, they, they launch, they make music and there's AI that makes the music, believe it or not. What? Um, it's some of the music is made by AI, but it's interesting. They've 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 created this they've, this company and they've said we they've given them I think a, a twenty album contract to produce content and and albums, and it just comes back to the technology that we are talking about. You know, we've got technology that makes art that was sold at Sotheby's for five million dollars the other day. Somebody bought artwork that was created by artificial intelligence. And there's music as well. And music is now learning from Eusebius what kind of music he likes, and he can create music around it without having a musician to create the music. So it might know that Eusebius might like drums. Or Right now, this AI is good at creating that soft background music that you hear in spas and that sort of thing. That's quite easy to create. Mm. I think the complexities go where we have music that is created by artists where there's audio, where there's uh, vocals, etc. But uh, AI is even now starting to write songs for artists. I find that fascinating. It raises all sorts of interesting questions also creatively and in terms of yeah. aesthetics. Yeah. You know, you think you are connecting there to a, a real ballad writ- written by Aki that is based on reality. Yes. Unbeknownst to you, it could have no, been <laughs> some, some computer that made up a coherent uh, tear-jerker story. No, no it's, it's, it's madness. Absolutely madness. But the, the thing is, what's interesting for me is AI is tapping into our emotions. It's, it's, it, 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 it's kind of difficult to put your head around it that the AI doesn't have emotions, but it's starting to learn from our emotions and starting to gain its own kind of emotion, whether it's possible or not. But I have asked a few experts, and I always ask this when I go to a conference, and, mm. and I always ask them, is AI capable of 
you know, getting the emotional side of it. And they all say... The ultimate test for this thing is the first test that goes back to the middle of the 20th century and hasn't changed. It's the Turing test. Now, we spoke then about raw IQ, like computing a power. Mm. But if you want to shift that question to a question of emotional intelligence, if this thing can successfully fool you, hey, darling, welcome home. Oh, you won't believe what day I had. And it turns out to be not quite who you think it is, but, uh, you know, some computer that had just been set up. If you've been successfully fooled in just ordinary human interactions, then we may have to ascribe emotional intelligence to this thing. Yeah. Because uh, that's the test, right? No, it's a functional no, test. Absolutely. No, 100%. No, there, there's so many different conundrums that are just flying through my brain at the moment. The other interesting thing that I came across in the last week was Stanford Medicine, together that's with the Apple, have done this heart study with the new Apple Watches that can pick up irregular heart rhythms, right? And um, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this and that. But here's what they've discovered. They did 400,000 participants in 40 states across the U.S. Uh, in the space of eight months. And they the, the watch actually successfully picked up 0.5% of people's irregular heart rhythm um, and atrial fibrillation, as they would call it. Hmm. But, you know, the the interesting thing is that um, what this does is it frees up a lot of time for doctors to do other stuff, you know, so you don't unnecessarily go and visit the doctor if you can get the technology to give you that you know, for you know, forewarning of something that you could be, uh, you know, susceptible to a heart attack, for example, or anything, and then you can do a telehealth, uh, you know, consultation with a doctor, etc., without having to go to a doctor when you don't really need to go. I was reading the stats from the World Health Organization. There's a message of shortage of doctors globally as we move progress forward and as world populations grow. You know, there aren't enough doctors to deal with all of us how effectively. Know, how do I know you're not lying? <laughs> you can look look in my eyes. Or I can put this, you through an online polygraph. Well, this, is, this has been quite... <laughs> I can't believe con- you missed my segue there. No, no, no. It's very controversial, <laughs> this. So they've done this. Um, they've, they've used this. Uh, this um, one of the universities have created this online polygraph test that uses um, uh, learning to detect deception from the text alone that you type, and it's done online. Now... <laughs> It's come with a lot of uh, criticism, and they're saying a lot of academics are saying, "No, this this is not going to work. You cannot you cannot simply do it online." These guys say, "Well, you know, if you put the right algorithm in and you apply the right um, parameters, you can get quite close to it, just because of our um, uh, you know human behavior and all that sort of thing that that happens around it." But you know. Um, an online polygraph system as opposed to face-to-face interaction, they're saying it's, it's not really going to be, um, it's not really going to work. But I don't know so much about it. I think that there is something there. And I think once they get that statistical modeling uh, closer with a lot more information on it, they're going to get a lot of accuracy in it. And if you can perform a test by answering a few questions online, and it can give you a really uh, close um, analysis whether you're lying or not, I think there's a there's a big win there for all of us. Speaking of lying, can I give you a puzzle? Yes. And now all listeners are going to think about this puzzle. If you know the answer to the puzzle, please don't um, shout it out or tweet it out. I hate puzzles. Uh, I know. You don't have to answer it. Now go and play with it. I also know that you're a nerd, so you're going to play with it. Yes. Speaking of lying, right? Yes. Mother, you think you... Mother's very <laughs> clever. He'll get this one in a sec. Okay, shoot. So you get to a fork in a road. You don't know whether to go left or right. Right. <laughs> No, you don't know. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so you there's, get to a fork and yeah. there's either left you need or to right. Go left or right. Okay. There, there's a set of identical twins. One of them will be there. Obviously, you don't know which one will be there because there will only be one there. Yes. One always tells the truth. Always. One always lies. 
Okay. But you don't know which one you're asking the question to. So you don't know which of the two identical twins is at that fork. What question must you ask such that regardless of who it is, you will be able to know what the correct direction is once they've answered you? Okay. Go think about it. I'll, I'll, give, you the answer, I'll give you the answer. Do you know the answer? Yes. You can tell me, tell me offline. Do politicians lie? 